Hello, everyone. Welcome and welcome back to my channel. Amen. It was the morning of the twenty third of December, nineteen ninety eight, at a high school in Tianjin City, China. The girls from Dom One One Two were getting ready in the morning when they caught a whiff of something foul in the corridor. They searched the corridor for a while, trying to pinpoint the source of this stench. Right. Eventually, they discovered that the unpleasant odor was seeping out from under the door of Dom One One Three, literally this one next door. One brave student approached and lightly knocked on the door. After knocking for quite some time without any response, the student tried pushing the door. Unexpectedly, the door to Dom One One Three swung open. At that instant, a strong, foul smell rushed out from the dorm. The next second, all the girls present scrambled together, because of what they saw. There were bodies scattered all over the floor, with disheveled hair and limbs twisted in different positions. It was like a scene straight from hell. If you look closer, you just see the dead girls clung tightly to objects within reach, and some were huddled on the floor, scratching at the floor with their nails. Perhaps due to exertion, their nails were torn open, revealing blood, flesh, and blood. Underneath some of the girls, the floor was covered in filthy excrement. As they were dying, they couldn't hold in their bodily fluids, which caused a really bad smell in the air. The girl who opened the door couldn't bear to take any closer look, but shouted instantly, saying that someone's dead. Then she turned and rushed out. The dormitory manager, who came upon hearing the commotion, also witnessed this horrifying scene. Suppressing the urge to vomit, she quickly called the police. The tragic incident in this dormitory involved the death of all seven girls from the same dormitory. You know what? As soon as the case was made public, it immediately caused a huge uproar. The chilling truth behind the scenes left people deeply horrified. So, what is it? Let's dive right into today's story. After receiving the report, the cops rushed to the scene. Even though they had some idea of what had happened beforehand, the gruesome sight at the scene still left them utterly shocked. Some of these poor girls were on their backs, grimacing, with their eyes staring dead in the direction of the door. Some of them were foaming at the mouth and crawled up in the corner with agonized expressions. There was another girl clutching the doll on the bed so tightly that her fingernails were embedded in it, and the forensics couldn't even break them apart. The most terrifying thing was their eyes. All of their pupils shrank to the size of a pin due to severe pain. Besides the bodies, they also found some leftover fruits, as well as the knife that was used to cut those fruits. There was also some water left in the girls' cups.
The players thought the bodies might have been poisoned to death at first, based on how they looked. Also, the amount of toxic taken must have been large enough to cause their deaths before they could seek help. Besides, apart from the girls living in dorm one one three, there was no one else at high school who was showing the same signs of poisoning. Therefore, it seemed to be a case of campus poisoning, specifically targeting this dorm one one three. The police sent the evidence and bodies to be examined in order to figure out exactly how the seven people died. Before the results of the examination came out, the officers split into several groups and conducted on-site interviews in the school. During the interviews, the police found out that the bad smell had actually started the night before. In the evening of twenty-second of December, a little past eleven fifty p.m. Several girls noticed this really weird smell while getting ready for bed. At that time, they couldn't pinpoint the exact source of this particular smell, so they sought help from the dormitory manager. The manager led them around this eleventh floor, you know, where the dorms were situated, and discovered a smell near dorms one one three, one one two, one one ones, and one one ten. You know, four dorm rooms. Since it was really late, they decided not to bother anyone and went back to the security office to call the school administration. But no one answered the phone. The dormitory manager then took the girls to the teachers' building to find the on-duty personnel, hoping to contact their class teacher. But their attempt also failed. After going in circles, it was already past one a.m. To avoid disrupting classes the next day, the dormitory manager had no choice but to advise the students to go back to sleep. She planned to figure out a solution after reporting to the school the next morning. Right? Little did she know that these foul odors would be connected to such a horrifying case. In hindsight, if they had chosen to break into the rooms at that time, perhaps these girls would still have had a chance to survive. So I bet the students and the dorm manager must feel really bad for not opening the doors that night. But who the heck would anticipate such crimes going on in a campus like this? Anyway, when the police interviewed the manager, they noticed something really weird. Most of the dorm rooms actually lived eight people, especially this one had such tragedy happened. But they found only seven bodies there at the scene. Where did the eighth girl from the dormitory go? Did she manage to escape this tragedy, or was she taken away by the perpetrator? No one knew at the time. The police immediately shifted their investigative focus to this girl who had unexpectedly gone missing. To their surprise, not long after the investigation began, this missing girl reappeared on her own. The missing girl was Alice. Not long after the police investigation began, a classmate bumped into Alice on the playground. Little did they expect that while the police were in a frenzy. 
Alice was actually strolling on the playground. The police immediately questioned her. What were you doing last night? Alice innocently replied, "I didn't go anywhere. Just slept in the dorm." If you were in the dorm, you should know how your roommates died. Sorry, I don't know. Please were like you just came out of the dorm. Seven people died in there, and you're telling me you don't know anything about it. Come on, there's a limit to following people around. The police considered Alice a significant suspect and interrogated her for a long time, but she insisted, claiming she knew nothing. Just when the police were at a loss, the forensic results came in. The cause of death for the seven girls were organophosphate poisoning in their digestive systems and vomit. They found traces of this highly toxic pesticide, parathinon. Parathinon is a pesticide that is used to kill insects on crops. It's extremely toxic. And the lethal dose is only two milligram. The poison takes effect in ten minutes, causing the muscles used for breathing to stop working, and leading to a deadly buildup of fluid in the lungs. The forensic team also detected the same pesticide components in the water cups at the scene. In other words, these seven girls took poisons in the dawn. The management of the girls' dormitory at the high school is quite strict. Both the dormitory management team and the civilian footage confirmed that no strangers ever entered that particular building the night when this tragedy happened. So only ones who could have poisoned them were the girls in that building. Alice, who lived in the same dorm, became the prime suspect for obvious reason, right? The police collected her fingerprints and compared them with the ones on the cups. The result confirmed that her fingerprints were on this every single cup at the crime scene. Alice's fingerprints were also on this small knife used for cutting fruit. Meanwhile, another group of police found a crucial clue. A shopkeeper claimed that before that incident, a high school student. A girl had bought a bottle of 0.5 kilogram parathion from him. When the police asked the shopkeeper for identification, he immediately recognized Alice. One piece of evidence after another pointed to Alice. However, there was one question that the police couldn't figure out: Parathion has a strong smell even when it's diluted. And the unpleasant odor from it is impossible to ignore. Moreover, this toxicity manifests quickly. It causes extreme pain. If someone took the poison beforehand, others should have noticed something was wrong, and they would have had enough time to call for help. The person who poisoned them not only needed to ensure they all. Took the poison simultaneously, but also had to prevent others from hearing their cries for help. If it was Alice, how did she manage these two aspects? You know, one versus seven, and stop them from seeking help. How did she coerce people like that? After extensive interviews, the police were convinced that 
no one heard any struggling or cries for help last night. It seems that to get this complete story, they have to start with Alice. The police presented the gathered evidence to Alice, intensifying the interrogation. Even if she had a strong psychological resilience, she was still just a high school student. This calmed girl finally lost her composure. She covered her face and cried for quite a while, finally willing to tell the truth to the police. However, the truth she revealed was a bit different from what the police had expected. Alice said, "Indeed, I bought the pesticide, but I am not the one who killed those seven. These two simple sentences left the police utterly bewildered. The girl who seemed to be wrapped in a myriad of suspicions wasn't the real culprit. Then where is the true killer now?" Alice confessed that. The one who killed her roommates were actually Chloe. As soon as they heard his name, the police were stunned. Chloe's name wasn't unfamiliar to them because she was one of the seven discovered dead in the dormitory. Moreover, her cause of death was no different from the other sex girls. They all died from excessive ingestion of parathion, causing difficulty breathing and fluid building up in the lungs. Even the appearance of the dust seemed similarly gruesome. Is it possible for someone to be both the perpetrator and the victim? The police still held strong suspicions against Alice. Alice claimed that everything that happened in Don Bomon Three was part of her best friend Chloe's plan. This particular high school in Tianjin, where they attended, was one of the top in the city. It operated on a boarding system, allowing students to go home only once in a month. In typical Chinese high schools, studies take precedence due to the existence of this examination-oriented education and the college entrance exam system. However, Chloe was thinking something else. In September 1997, Chloe started dating a boy at school. Dating in high school. Was very discouraged by everyone, especially in the past. Since the day Chloe entered the world of romance, it seemed like only that boy was left in her world. However, teenage love quickly expired. In less than a year, the boy broke up with her, and this news was like a bolt from the blue for Chloe. She tried to salvage the relationship. But faced even harsher rejection from the boy. Consequently, Chloe kept telling her best friend Alice all about her feelings, but the hurt wouldn't just go away. She couldn't handle it for long, and her thoughts reached a dead end as she thought about dying. Alice, I want to kill myself. Could you buy me a bottle of pesticide? This kind of request is something most people would never agree to. So Alice refused, but Chloe's persistent pleas won her down. 
Chloe emphasized the agony she felt after losing her boyfriend. Gradually, Alice became influenced by Chloe's love-struck mind and eventually agreed to Chloe's outrageous request. Alice went outside of the school, found a place that sold pesticides, and bought a bottle of pethidine for her. Chloe, now in possession of the pesticide, finally showed a relaxed expression. She told Alice that she would drink this pesticide tonight, putting an end to the pain caused by her lost love. However, just after the evening study, before they were about to go to bed, Chloe changed her mind. She found Alice and made an even more absurd request. I feel that dying alone is too lonely, so I've decided to have all the sisters in the dormitory accompany me in death. You are my best friend. Can you help me one more time? Making such a request goes beyond issues of moral decline and warped humanity, like the audacity. What did the other sex people in the dormitory do wrong? Why should they accompany Alice in death? Even more absurd, under Chloe's strong persuasion, Alice agreed once again, and so this absurd and bloody case unfolded. I don't know if Chloe and Alice will be the best friends forever. Shouldn't they accompany each other to death instead of to drag down the others? Well, I know no one should die of suicide in this particular circumstances, but you know what I meant. That evening, the two of them began their operation as planned. Chloe personally mixed the pesticide and poured a cup for each person in this dormitory. She told everyone that it was a medicine her mother had prepared to prevent tuberculosis, which was prevalent in Tianjin City at the time. Many students in the school were infected, and some had to take a leave and go home. Chloe's mother, being a doctor, mixing medicine for everyone seemed reasonable, so no one found a fear. The six innocent girls unknowingly handed a lethal concoction, even thanked Chloe. However, the medicine they were holding had a weird smell, making all the girls scrunched up their faces. Chloe dismissed it, saying, "You all should expect that herbal medicine has a weird smell." After saying this, she raised her glass and downed the drink. Seeing Chloe drank first, the other roommates stopped overthinking about it. You know, pinched their noses and gulped down the portion, like Chloe did. Alice, on the other hand, claimed that she had taken it at noon, so she abstained. She watched the seven roommates, including Chloe, treating the poisonous concoction like traditional Chinese medicine, not leaving a drop behind. At this point, there was no turning back. Before long, the effects of the pesticide started to kick in. The process of organophosphorus poisoning is incredibly painful. Some girls couldn't bear the pain and began to struggle and moan. 
However, Alice reassured everyone that this pain was a normal reaction to this particular medication. When she took the medicine at noon, she felt uncomfortable, just like everyone else. But she quickly got over it. Alice comforted her roommates, urging them to stay calm and not disturb others' rest. These high school girls were truly kind-hearted, despite being really painful. To avoid disturbing other dorms, they really curled up in their own beds, not making any shouts. And Alice. She continued playing the role of a great roommate. Sometimes she brought hot water to her roommates, and other times she peeled apples for them. A picture of diligently caring for the sick. You wouldn't believe she was the devil, who could witness all her friends and classmates dying in pain without raising an eyebrow. The girls were in unbearable pain, clutching desperately at anything within reach, hoping to endure like Alice had said. But even after eating the fruits, their symptoms did not improve at all. On the contrary, the agony grew more intense over time. By now, they no longer had strength to call for help anymore. Some fell off their beds, crawling across the floor, helpless. And this girl could no longer make a sound, but tried to crawl out of the dorm, hoping to get the attention of anyone outside. But she lay on the floor, nails torn off, unable to move forward even an inch, and suddenly passed away with eyes wide open. In their soundless struggle, the roommates' lives slowly slipped away. Eventually, succumbing to the immense suffering and leaving this world one after another, all the while Alice watched coldly beside them. After everyone had stopped struggling, Alice went to bed as if nothing had happened. You can imagine the scene: all the girls in the dorm had drank pesticide and died in various horrific poses within that tiny room. The smell of excrement and vomit permeated the air. Just thinking about it is enough to make your hair stand on end. Yet the perpetrator slept soundly amongst the seven roommates' corpses. After waking up, she even went for a casual stroll on the field as if everything was normal. Remember how the police found her on the playground? I am pretty sure she is a psychopath at this point. Alice's account was simply too outlandish. The police largely felt that her narrative was a sloppy lie. You know, she was shifting blame onto a dad who could not defend himself anymore. But unexpectedly, a key piece of evidence surfaced that forced the authorities to consider. That Alice's bizarre story might, in fact, be the truth. The police found a suicide note from Chloe hidden under a dorm bed. In the note, Chloe mentioned her reason for suicide. Indeed, the failed love affair, as Alice had told. The note also hinted at why she took all her roommates except Alice with her. The full 
contents were not released, but it was known to include this part below. My dearest friend, live on well. I am sad, and I don't have the heart to take you with me. Forgive me for not listening to your advice and hurting you so. Everything today is my just punishment. Don't hate or resent me. After finding the note, the police immediately compared the handwriting, conclusively verifying it was Chloe's. The note was real, matching Alice's account. Could everything Alice said really be true then? Still, the police found Alice's actions incomprehensible. Whether assisting a friend's suicide or watching the other sex roommates die from poisoning, these were not something a normal person should do. As we have expected, psychologists proposed Alice may be psychopathy. You know, she couldn't emphasize, so Alice could not truly understand Clavius' thought. Facing the death of her roommate, she would not feel guilt or fear at all. And usually, being obedient to Chloe, she obtained this lethal pesticide at Chloe's urging. Whatever the reasons, Alice's criminal facts could not be denied. The nature of this case was far too malicious. She took advantage of her roommate's trust to find chances to commit murder. I meant Chloe and Alice along the way. Their methods were very sneaky. Leaving others completely unable to defend it, you know, if it were me, I'd never imagine well-meaning prevention medicine from a roommate and a friend of mine could be a fatal poison. It's even more unbelievable that someone would bring their roommates or friends along when they committed suicide, and that's because of a breakup. That's really absurd to me. Anyway. On the twenty eighth of July, nineteen ninety nine, the People's Court lawfully rendered a verdict on this case, based on the contents of Clavius' suicide note and the autopsy results. The court accepted some of Alice's testimony, which is Clavius entrusted Alice to buy pesticides and proposed poisoning the other roommates, with Alice assisting in the crime. As a result. Chloe bore the main responsibility for the death of the six victims, while Alice bore secondary responsibility. In the end, Alice was sentenced to life imprisonment. However, Alice was not satisfied and tried to argue in court. I just bought the pesticide, as Chloe asked. I didn't know it was poisonous. The judge immediately countered this argument, saying. Your high school is well known, and most students were going to college. How do the seniors like you not know that drinking pesticide can be deadly? Well, the well, the judge was a bit biased in this statement, but what the judge said actually makes sense. So Alice continued to appeal, but all her appeal applications were rejected. The parents of the six. Deceased students also filed their compensation claims. They requested compensation for mental damages and the death benefits, 
totaling 1.5 million Chinese yuan, with each family asking for 250 grand Chinese yuan. However, the court wrote that each family would only receive around 1,000 Chinese yuan for funeral expenses and approximately 50 grand Chinese yuan in death compensation. Chloe's family was to bear 45 percent, and Alice's family 30 percent, and the school would cover the remaining 25 percent. After entering prison, Alice, due to good behavior, had her sentence reduced to 15 years. As of today, Alice has completed her prison term. It is said that she is now married with children, living a fulfilling life. Yet the six innocent girls who were harmed by her and Chloe can never enjoy a beautiful life again. And that's it. This case just makes me angry and powerless. And honestly, it's just so frustrating. The evidence does point to Alice being an accomplice, and she does show some psychopathic tendencies. But what does that change? Plus, she committed the crime when she and Chloe were still minors. So, due to the factors of being minors, we don't even know their real names. It's just baffling. Anyway, our case for the day ends here, and so is this video. Thanks for watching, and I will see you in my next video then.